Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website at richmondbizlive.com and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. One hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar for the most important hour in your week. I'm William Eastman, managing partner of the Growth Works and executive producer of Richmond Biz Live, and your host for the number one business talk radio show, not only played in Richmond, but certainly hosted in Richmond. We broadcast live from the studios of WLE News Talk 990 in beautiful downtown Richmond. And if you're an ongoing listener, you know what this is about, that, that finally in the greater Richmond area, there is a resource for you, the business owner and executive of of anywhere from small to mid-sized private enterprises to realize your dream of making the business pay off for all the years of investment and sacrifice. Every week we share years of practical experience that grow from nothing to market leadership. In fact, market leadership isn't enough for us. We want to dominate the market, whatever the company is or whatever the market is. Our approach applies, uh, provides you with some inexpensive tools. And if you're listening to us or you're streaming us, they certainly are inexpensive takes advantage of your current strengths and what you do well, as well as gives you the idea of what weaknesses that you need to work on. And all of this is where you can finance growth from sales. The team here at Richmond Biz Live are all recognized thought leaders, uh, whether it's locally, nationally, or internationally, in our fields of finance, branding, strategy, marketing, sales, productivity, technology, and people. Everyone is and has been a successful entrepreneur who have grown their own businesses. So basically what they're doing is they're sharing their shortcuts to success with some solid background in research on those items to prove that in fact they work. So what do you need to do? Well, it's pretty simple. This is the ultimate power lunch. Be here every Friday at 12.06 and make this the most significant 54 minutes uh, in your business week because if you listen, it will be. And like I said, it's the ultimate power lunch. Uh, how do you make this happen for you? Well, you can do three things. One is you can watch. So if you go to our webpage, www.richmondbizlive.com, Richmond Biz Live, and on the homepage, you click watch, then you will be on the camcorder and you'll be streamed right into the studio. Number two is you can click listen. And so an alternative to broadcast, especially if you're listening to this as a podcast off our website, is that you simply come to our website at 12.06, click listen, and then you'll see a big red button that says listen live. And what it'll, you'll get the streaming audio signal or you can join us. And join us 
is two things. One is we just opened a new feature up, which I will talk about later in the show. But also on the join is you can dial in to 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. And so if you're saying to yourself, it's time for me to get paid back for everything I've done, then I need to be here. You need to be here with us. So today, what do I have today? Well, what I have on the agenda today is I have Linda Heath uh, from Financial Holographics, and I have Andy Schulich from Metamorphosis Management Consulting. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue on our theme of those companies who have created the, what I like to call blue water or comp uh, companies who have created a space without competition. And how do you do that? Because if you can, and you can grow into it quickly, you can dominate the market. So three things I want you to consider here, okay? So what are we talking about? Well, the premise behind this is you, read, you need to rethink everything. Everything about your business needs to be rethunk. You know, I love that. Yeah. So anyway, you got it. You, you you just can't look at it the way it is and say that's the way it is. I got to go. What what can I do to get out of the box? So here's some thoughts. One is create uncontested market space, which we talked about without competitors. Or two, how do you make your competition irrelevant? Or three, how do you, as you look at what's about to happen, forecast and absolutely take advantage of this new demand? Now. Our approach to this is a kind of interesting in that we're going to play with the laws of physics a little bit to say, well, where do I look to do that? And then I'll conclude with how, and I'll turn it to Linda. So where do I look? Well, if, you, if you're in physics and somebody says, describe that object to me, what, what are the questions I would ask? One would be location. Where is it? Number two is time. Okay. Number three are the properties itself of the object. And number four, if it's not at rest, velocity or speed. And so... Now, let me turn that into business terms. Okay, location, my, my location, the client's location, the location of the transaction. As an example, look at Amazon. Amazon has changed the nature of retail transaction. And now with the, their idea of going to drones, it could be if you're in a big city and you order something that, ha, that, re, that requires them to keep a lot of inventory, you may have a drone dropping in an hour in your front yard or at your front door dropping it off. Time, eliminating time is a constraint such as FedEx. Nobody ever thought about overnight guaranteed delivery until FedEx did it and how they changed the nature of everybody's business who deal with that. Or in the terms of properties, the tangibles and intangibles. For example, Apple and a lot of their hardware is that they seem to find a way of building soul into their products. Their products have a tangible distance, uh, difference to them than anything else. Or it could be the experience that they bundle around that particular tan tangible, which was the secret of success for IBM for a number of years, or the issue of velocity of speed. And if you have not seen anything on th 3D printing, I recommend when this show's over, Google 3D printing. They are, and, and printing, I use the word printing lightly. It's really 3D manufacturing where you can make it uh, at that moment in time. They are now talking about using your own tissue to make body parts. That's the type of out-of-box that I'm thinking about. So how do I do this? So as Linda and Andy and I talk about the different companies that we're going to highlight is um, what factors are taken for granted in the marketplace that we can eliminate? What factors that are taken for granted in the marketplace can we reduce? What factors that are currently taken from the, in the marketplace can we raise or make more critical in the buying decision? And what factors can we create that don't exist at the moment? So with that, let me invite back to the studio, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. Linda. Bill, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. I've had a very 
torturous and long week, but I'm doing great. But you're back. Good. Yes. And you're in rare form. I'm so glad. Well, I'm so excited about what we're doing this season because I'm not sure our listeners even know that you participated in, and did some research, did a special study at Dartmouth with Dartmouth about three years ago. And basically, you all, ident- the, the question was, what do you have to have for innovation? And you ended up with six key things. And right. This and, week and, and last week. Right. And, and broken into two categories. And mm-hmm. basically one was, it, it, it was research done by uh, VJ and I can't pronounce VJ's name. So I just call him VJ because he lets That's me good. and Chris good. Trimble okay. at Dartmouth and they, they've got a school of innovation. And then basically they said the two things is one, how do you assemble innovation teams? Because mm-hmm. you got a problem of insider outsider. And then yeah. number two, how do you create a disciplined experiment so that if you do it, you actually learn something from it that could be replicated to tell you whether you need to move forward with this or not spend the money. Great. And so each one of those have three steps. Right. Okay. And we're going to be dissecting that over oh, the season. Awesome. Right. So the first step was identifying the labor or the skill sets that you're going to need on a team to have it be effective. And my job, as I understand it today, is um, I'm going to have to make a business case for including a financial analyst or business analyst on the team. How would that pay for itself and be contributory? You know, a lot of times people think the number crunchers are the naysayers. And that would not typically, that would not be intuitive, put them on a brainstorming team. But I'm going to make a business case why that would be very invaluable. Oh, it's absolutely essential. For example, how do I determine hurdle rate? And in business, a hurdle rate is if X doesn't give me a rate of return by this time, then it's not a sound investment. How do I make that decision without you? That's, That's a great example. So um, what I'm noticing is that big data and analytics, those concepts are showing up on all my reading lists everywhere I turn. So I wanted to start with a few simple concepts to illustrate how useful and important statistics can be. Uh, The first one is, did you know that smoking is the leading cause of statistics? (laughs) More studies on smoking than any other. I guess guess that's it. And then another one was, if you plan to build a doghouse, make sure you have enough dogs to build all four walls. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward <laughs> not, to this show. I, this is going to be out of the box. No, we box, got right? we got Andy. We got Andy just stuck Leading his head in the, the studio going. going, going on. What? Okay, let me keep rolling because we've keep got going. a timeline. Okay, so a fine is a tax for doing wrong. Right. But a tax is a fine for doing well. Wow. You like that. Okay. Now here's You're another a good one. capitalist girl. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for the compliment. I have a friend who decided that she would limit her family to three children because she read that one out of every four children born in the world is Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the 50-50-90 rule. You've probably run into this. Do you know what that Uh, is? No, no, no. I'm afraid. If you have a 50-50 chance of getting something right, there's a 90% probability you'll get it wrong. All right, you got me now. Okay, I'm last one. This is my personal favorite. Um, studies show that four out of every three people cannot do math. <laughs> so thank you for humoring me. So Oh, uh, you're not just... getting off that easy. So tell me, what does that mean? So here's what, thank you for asking. Here's what it means. I want to touch on Blue Ocean because that's really, we've been talking about innovation. We're talking about Blue Ocean. You did this study. How do you build effective teams and effective studies? And basically, a blue ocean is a market or space where you have no competition, at least for a little while. Um, and the benefit of that would be what? It would be higher sales, which we've talked about for three seasons. Right. It would be higher margins, right. which we've talked about for three seasons, which should increase cash, profitability, 
um, business value, future value for shareholders, office employees, basically jobs, which is a big part of the, we've been serving the market where they already have established successful businesses and nobody's throwing money at them. So we're throwing advice and wisdom, right? We are. We're at, <laughs> okay. we, so hopefully so that, it's sticking to you. It, it is. It is. So the concept was introduced in a book by that name, the Blue Ocean name, authors Kim and Mangborn. And the cornerstone of the strategy is that you use in, innovation to create both differentiation and low cost. And I think they came along at a time when people sort of saw it as an either or proposition. And they were saying, no, the, your blue ocean will be found where you've got both of those. And one of the things I found really interesting is they said mindset is important because it is so easy. And think about these, um, our listeners that have been in business 20, 30 years. It's so easy to begin to think our market structure is a given. Our industry right. structure is a given. Our market boundaries are given. Here we are. You know, they say wherever you go in life, there you are. Um, and so the authors were saying that these limitations exist only in management's mind. That's, that's right. So successful companies are led by managers who believe that there's extra demand out there and it's untapped and they're going to work to find out where it is. Got it. Um, I did pull from Wikipedia. God bless them. I haven't sent my three bucks in, but I really appreciate them. I, I, I sent in 50 for you. You did. Thank yeah. you so much. So they, they said um, this type of thinking is disruptive innovation. And what you're doing is you're improving a product or a service in ways the market does not expect. Or you redesign it for different customers in a new market. Or you lower prices in an existing market. And usually the big companies can't do this because these marginal, these outlying markets don't appear to be profitable enough for them to invest the resources. So it gives startup um, or younger companies an opportunity or smaller companies an opportunity. Right, because it's very difficult to estimate that right. their lack of sophistication in financial what we'd call it forecasting mm -hmm. actually is their advantage in a big mm -hmm. company, which is very good at right. financial forecasting. Exactly. They say the hurdle rate's not high enough. We're out of here. And the public company versus a privately owned yeah. company that might say, you know what? There's money on the table. We've got to go for yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's go scoop it up. And so, and one of the things they said, which I was, was really intrigued by is technologies. Um, very few technologies are intrinsically disruptive. So we, we talk so much about technology, but they said really it's the business model that oh, allows wow. your company to have a disruptive that is, impact. That, that is very, that was that's very that's a very interesting insight because you're right. Now that you think about it that way, you know we ought to do a we a session on business on, this. on business models and maybe all of us. Yes. All right, I, I will do one. I I've okay. got some work I did I years work ago. I will you on that. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, Adrian Swaski uh, called called the Profit Zone. We did some work with Cap Gemini about ten years ago. See, you're full of research, and other people are full of other things. Okay. So part of, part of what we were going to do was take Inc. 5,000 companies toward the bottom of the list, research them, and see if we could identify from publicly available information about these privately owned companies how they did it. Did they create right. Blue Ocean? Is that why they made it to the list? And are they following the principles? So the company I found is Census Agency. It's not spelled the way you think. It's S-E-N-S-I-S, -S, but they definitely go for demographics as far as what mm -hmm. they're doing differently. Um, they are, and I'm going to quote off their website because I want to get it right. Census is a cross-cultural advertising agency with digital at its core. Uh, basically, it's a precision advertising agency using digital thinking to reach, and this is the key, the multicultural mainstream. So, in a sense, multicultural is not mainstream. They're looking for all the sub-markets out there, but they're creating a mainstream out of it. Mm -hmm. 
So far, so good? I, I love it. Okay. They have offices in Los Angeles and downtown. So let me hit some, some summary points, and then we can dig into uh, what I think they've done to create a blue ocean. They're in advertising and marketing. The pre- founder and president, so this is a founder-owned company, mm-hmm. is Jose Vila. He has a Harvard um, AB in economics and a Horton MBA. He's on the national board of the National Federation of Independent mm-hmm. Businesses. NFIB. I'm a member of that. NFIB. I am too. And I know a lot of um, smart CEOs of companies are in that, so I thought that was a rather cool connection mm-hmm. with him. Um, his In a prior job, he turned just an idea into a very innovative Hispanic portal and developed an entire new outlet for the company. Um, he was with Mitchell Madison Group, which is an international strategic consulting firm, he completed successful logistics engagements. He provided data analysis and research studies. So I thought it was interesting. In his background, although he's in this creative field, he has that analytical bent, and, and I'm sure that's part of what drives the company. Um, their integrated model includes cross-cultural approach, ethics, in, ethnic insights, Hispanic, African-American, Asian, digital capabilities. They were founded in 1998. It took them 10 years before they landed on the Inc. 5,000 list. And when they first landed, they were at 3.4 million in revenue. Their growth rate that year had been 880%. Wow. And now in 2013, five years later, they're at 11.1 million and their average growth rate is 43%. I don't think they've slowed down, but the bigger your number that you're dividing by, statistics, useful statistics, it's going to look smaller. And and one of the reasons why that, uh, and this was predominantly Linda's decision, is that when we looked at the Inc. 5,000, we didn't start at the top because we thought most of you would go 28%, 28,000% growth. Right. How number can I one, do that? how can right. I do that? But and this is why we started, right. We, we're at the bottom of the list. Right. Exactly. And um, they are 4,999 4, on the list as of this year. They, in 210, they had 35 employees. In 2013, they have 43. They've added eight jobs in three years. I'm going to do a little math for you at the very end and show you something. So, the characteristics or properties of value, because this whole blue stream is value innovation. Um, his LinkedIn profile says that he runs the operations of um, census. He has, leads the strategic planning team. It develops research-driven marketing strategies, which I think fits mm-hmm. in beautifully with your study with Dartmouth. Uh, consumer insights that will guide all advertising programs. The website bio says, um, he says, some describe me as a contrarian. I've always questioned convention. He's not your typical agency principal. He didn't work in advertising before launching census. But I do want to point out to our listeners that he has a very deep resume of strategic thinking across different disciplines, across different industries, and knows how to professionally manage a company. And you can't be an amateur and make it in this blue ocean space. No, you can't. Um, One of his differentiators, this was in a September 2014 blog post. So this is where they have captured differentiation. No one is becoming an astute student of Hispanic digital behavior. Think about what a tiny little niche is. The crowds are not rushing to fill that need, right? It's accessed across myriad devices. There is no doubt different and unique to that of the global market, the general market. Um, As the offline world increasingly becomes digital with mobile and other untethered technology, think touch screens at retail, digital experience, and events, no one is focused on creating the optimal experiences for Hispanics, online and offline. So they've identified what makes them different. Right. Then low cost was the other piece. You have to have both. So the statistics I gave you, they had 265% revenue growth between 08 when they first landed to 2013. 
um, five years on the ink list. However, during that same period, they only had 25% employee growth. So they are clearly learning how to do more with less. That's right. And because it sounds like they have a labor-intensive model. Right. But I suspect what they're doing is something we talked about in other shows, and Andy's talked about it and you've talked about it, is taking what would normally be fixed-cost employee salaries, making them variable costs. So they probably have expanded their strategic partners, right. their contractors, and so forth. But they're not doing it through building their fixed overhead. Mm -hmm. So let me wrap it up with here are the three reasons why you want a creative analyst on your Blue Ocean or innovation team and how they can pay for themselves. Number one, the process includes key analytical tools and frameworks, and the, the books list it. An analyst who can capture ideas from the team and then run them through these tools without holding judgment would be an asset. Innovation involves guiding disparate disciplines through a logical, complex, and complete process. Um, later in your six must-haves, we're going to talk about crafting thoughtful experiments. But a strong analyst who's also trained in project management, which Andy may want to touch on, brings a logical discipline to the process. They can teach keep the mm -hmm. team on track and looking at the big picture. And number three, analysts will know where various silos of info reside in your organization. Um, important data and statistics are not always in the obvious place, and they right. know how to grab that big data, your big data, bring it to the team as facts about markets, products, where you stand, strategy, and so forth, so that the team is brainstorming off of real data. And um, they can pay for themselves because they're extraordinary at seeing relationships that aren't obvious. They see patterns among complexities. And they add value by being inquisitive, skeptical, and rewarding for asking questions other might, others might miss. So let me give you a quick statistic. I know we're tight on time. Um, in one of Jose's blogs, he writes why marketers are not ready to go total uh, to the cross-cultural or the Hispanics. Total paid media is $171 billion. The portion of that Hispanic paid media is $8.3 billion dollars. It's 4.9% of the total media spend. Right. However, the population is 17% of the U.S. population. So that means the companies, if they were doing this proportionally, would be spending $29 billion on Hispanic media, and they're only spending right. eight. So there's 20, $21 billion lying on the table. This guy's got a rapidly growing $11 million a year revenue company, and he has spotted where $21 billion is out there to be captured. And I think he's... Um, if he were to go after the $8 billion that's already being spent, that would not be Blue Ocean. Right. What he needs to do is convince the companies that are spending money on advertising, but they're not targeting Hispanics, and get them to spend with him. And I think that would be a Blue Ocean strategy. It sounds like a great strategy and a great analysis. So do you like my friend Jose Love census oh, I love I love Jose. I have to send him a card. And I love your beginning. I, I've never heard statistics so warped. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, that's that's part of my special charm. Thanks, Linda. Uh, and people can get a hold of you by going to the website, taking a look at the team section. There's Linda's gorgeous picture. Click it, and you're right there, Financial Holographics. And with that, this is Richmond Biz Live, and we'll be back. Hello, I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics, and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Please join me in a panel of business experts at Richmond Biz Live Talk Radio on WLEE News Talk 990. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. As a business leader, do you operate as a firefighter or a forward thinker? How do you and how successful are you at addressing negative risks? 
how do you today determine and implement proactive change? I am Andy Shuley of MetamorphosisManagementConsulting.com. I am here to assist you in becoming a forward thinker. Let me help you help yourself in developing a more enjoyable and rewarding work-life experience. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live. And the best way to play is to go to richmondbizlive.com. You go to the website, and on the homepage, you can click Watch, which will take you into the cam, uh, the studio cam, and you can watch the presentation. You can see Andy and I here right now. Uh, I'm, I'm the guy who doesn't have all of that nice blonde hair. I'm the guy who used to have all that nice blonde hair. That's mostly gray, what's left of it. Um, or you can listen. Obviously, you're on, you're on the radio, so you're listening already, but if you want to stream it, and certainly if you're listening to our podcast, by the way, I just want to inform people that we just went past our 2,000th download. We, we, we have 41 shows out now on the web, and we are now over 2,000 downloads. And so people are listening to us. So if you're, if you're downloading these later on, just go to the website, click listen, and you can, you can stream this live. Or number three is you can join in. And the big thing on joining in is calling us at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483, or even better, 844.bizlive, bizlive. In the studio, following up Linda, I don't know how we're going to do this, Andy. Is I don't Andy know. Sure? That's tough. I'll tell you. Uh, she had me going there with the statistics, you know. Oh, I know. She is really good at the numbers. That's her <laughs> specialty. Uh, well, you know, somebody in finance better be. But, you know, now I'm worried. She's handling my retirement package. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy. So what do, let's, let's rock here, man. we got to keep up with Linda. So what are we going to do? Okay. Well, today we're going to address uh, building the innovation team in your business. And which is a very exciting thing to do. But first, uh, I would like you, the listener, to go ahead and take a moment and reflect back when you moved into your present position. Okay. Did you seem to make a difference? Second is, where did you focus your time and work effort? Okay. So, all right. And I like that second one because that's the ultimate Peter Drucker question. Okay. And the third question is, what motivated you to go forward? Okay. So as like many of us, um, after some time, you know, we reach a level of satisfaction and develop a comfort zone in what mm -hmm. we do. Thus we fall into a routine or a habit state. Consider, uh, you know, a good example is a baseball player. You know, uh, the player will work to develop his ability to hit 300 and will continue to maintain um, this level, which is a very good average, uh, and you get rewarded considerably for it. And will continue to, uh, after he continues to maintain this, the question is, will the same player try to get to 400 or just be satisfied with the 300, which is now routine and a habit level? Okay. You know, so we have to look at that. But most often... Only if our comfort zone is threatened do we develop new actions. So how does this situation relate to a business innovation team? Think about it in your experience. Okay. Um, if all members of the business are operating in a habit state, uh, there's no or very little innovation. Right. But most importantly, this could threaten the downfall of the business with respect to the competitors we have. 
Oh, yeah. Because I mean, they're constantly innovating. Makes me think of CompUSA. Makes me think about uh, Circuit City. And really, where Best Buy is right now. Exactly. Ask yourself, who has the responsibility to assure that there is an innovation team? As a business leader, it is your responsibility to establish an environment where your business will maintain a high competitive habit operations mode by implementing continuous improvement initiatives. So you are keeping up with your competition. Right. You know, you're not in that habit zone. But more importantly, you must also create the initiative team environment to identify create, and develop new products and services to maintain a satisfied and comfort level for the future. Otherwise, it could be disaster. So how do you think this can be done? Think about it. Take some time to reflect back on your own life experience, both personal and business-related. Transcribing these thoughts to a document will enable you to track your lessons learned both good and bad. The key is to identify the characteristics of the situation and what created a positive or negative impact. From that, you can have great decision-making. This is information that can then be used for evaluating future situations. Additional research um, on well-known companies that are thriving or have failed will provide you with background for better decision making and you get this through reading materials and networking and other things uh, a well-known author jim collins has written many books during his continuous tracking long-term research on various companies in his book how the mighty fall he provides information on the failure of circuit city a local company yep. and their very high productive growing offset CarMax. Right, which which they they it's interesting. They could not get it right with with one and yet they got it right with the other. And, got it right with CarMax. Right. And also in this book it it addresses another local firm which is Philip Morris, which you might have some knowledge of. Yeah, since I worked there for many years. Okay. <laughs> and saw transitions, both good and bad. Um hopefully uh you have a company innovation team, but if you do not um you know, you can do other things. Um, one of the things you can do is to go ahead and help to develop outside resources. And in doing so, um, you can go ahead and adapt their strategies to make a very compositive end strategy. These external members may consist of business coaches, consultants, specialty firms, your vendors and suppliers, which their livelihood depends on right. you and vice versa. Yeah, and let me add something there because I did have opportunity when I was working with VJ and Chris at Dartmouth uh, was that they found that they could not populate this with a significant number of internal people because of your habit issue, Andy. Right. Is, is that they always thought about what is, not what can be, and it's very difficult. If you're an operator... And trust me, because I'm living it right now. If you're an operator and living in operations, thinking about what could be, 
is going to get crowded out every day by what is. And so what these companies did is that they either hired and brought on their staff immediately outside experts that they brought in, or they partnered and, or like you and I talked about last season, this whole thing about customers and suppliers are the ultimate resource that's underutilized. Yeah, most definitely. And, um, you know, the membership of this team may change over time based upon your future vision and the resources needed to obtain that vision. Right. But if you do have a in-house innovation team, now look at the individuals on the team with respect to their background experience, educational background, personal research on new concepts and technology, their imagination level, productivity uh, related to presenting ideas, personal characteristics such as their Myers-Briggs identification. Because you don't want everybody with the same background. Well, and that's a huge point is that if you get everybody the same, I doubt seriously if you're going to get innovation at all. Right. And um, for a team perspective, having diversity, um, being able to think outside the box and listening is very important, are very important characteristics. So a developing and naturing and innovation environment for these people is very important component, which is provided by the owner or the leadership of the company. And let me just hit on something there, because in a smaller business, you may be saying, how do I do that? My experience with this is that you take the executive level and the people that report to them, and you basically create two teams, a present team and a future team. And the future team are the people that look at this type of stuff, and it's based upon their personality and, and, and their style. Uh, so, for example, your director of operations, probably not going on a future team. Right. They're going to stay on the present team because of how they think. So in a small business, I'll go to where I'm VP right now. I've got four directors and myself, plus an outside consultant, so that makes six. We have a, a present team and we have a future team, three and three. Right. So, so one of the things to look at uh, is an example from the past. Uh, Jack Welsh, when he was the CEO of General Electric, took the concept of innovation team to the next level. And what is that? Well, in 1989, he came up with an idea of boundaryless concepts. Prior to this concept, GE did, had an in-house reward system for people that generated ideas. The new program not only recognized these people, but it also made heroes of the employees who recognized, developed, and most importantly, implemented the good ideas. Because uh, development without implementation produces nothing. Mm -hmm. You get nothing in return. This concept also opened up GE to the best ideas and practice from other companies, which eventually became one of their nine values in GE's culture. So it really hit the impact of the company. With all that has been stated, the question for you as a business leader or an owner, where is your business today with respect to having a proactive innovation environment. Do you feel that innovation is necessary for your survival? Think about it. If you say yes, what short-term or long-term actions are you going to implement in order to improve the current innovation environment in your business? In conclusion, I would say this is just one of the many areas in a business that a forward thinker 
must constantly address. And and you can do it in a small business. I'm in a $11 million firm and we're doing it. And so it's not about size. It's about where the owner or the executives of this small business, small to mid-sized company is at intellectually. Right. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And, and it varies because tomorrow a condition may come up and change it. So you have to readjust it. That's right. Because that's why if you look at any of these books, Jim Collin book mm-hmm. on good to great, half the companies in good to great are gone. Yes. And it's not that his research was invalid. It says that's how dynamic the environment I operate in and what is giving me an advantage today, two or three years from now, could be my death knell. That is correct. Yep. Well, thanks, Andy. Good seeing you. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, You can get me on the web at metamorphosmc.com or look me up on our Richmond Biz Live website. All right. And this is richmondbizlive.com. And we'll be back. Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as managing partner of the Growth Works, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question. Where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay but wondering what's next, and then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche, and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you, where are you? If you want to understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net, and download our paper on where are you. Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15 and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com. The number is 844-249-5483. That's 844-5483 or 844.bizlive. Okay, interesting. Uh, Two perspectives on this whole, how do I get out of box, create the blue ocean? How do I create non-competitive space? Uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to jump right into a company that I've been researching all week. It's another company out of Massachusetts. And what, what is interesting is how easy you can read just a few things if you go to their website or you go to Dun & Bradstreet and you get a, a basically a report on the company. How quickly, if you know what you're looking for, you can analyze what they've been doing. So the name of the company is uh, the Brookside Group, okay? And um, Brook is spent, uh, spelt with an E in there, uh, B-R-O-O-K-E. And then it's S-I-D-E, brookside.com. And uh, they are in the marketing and, and marketing and sales business. Now, what I found about them was interesting. I'll give you some of their uh, their pedigree, the, the dynamics, and then I'll give you what I believe they did. And so they are in Acton, um, Massachusetts, just outside of um, Boston. They are rated uh, 4967. So again, like Linda said, we're working off the bottom of the list. We're pulling off the bottom of the deck. In three years, they've reported 44% growth, which is healthy. It makes our 25% growth uh, threshold. In 2010, they had 3.8 million in revenue. In 2013, they had $5.5 million in revenue, and they founded in 2003. So we're talking about a company that's about 12 years old, at about $5.5 million in revenue, got 18 employees. They've added six employees over the last couple of years. And so... 
they, they sound like the rest of us. Now, let me, let me tell you, I went to their press releases and I thought that was interesting. So let me read a couple of those and then I'll give you my analysis. Uh, the Brookside Group is a consulting training and technology firm specializing in client relationship management. Well, where we've heard that before, we've had, uh, we've had both, uh, Mike and, and Patrick Carroll aboard talking about sales. Certainly uh, Ben Meredith, who was on last week, who is an expert. In fact, one of the pioneers of uh, CRM software. So it looks like they're in a common space. Okay. Well, let's read a little bit further. They assess and streamline their client's engagement process. Okay. That may be indicative of something, but so far anybody that's in the sales or CRM business will tell you that. Um, and they do this by getting the key stakeholders from all levels of the organization, um, essentially those who touch the process, and they gather them for five days to develop a new customer-centric process. So what this really means is that they don't install a system on you, that they have enough brains to ask the right questions, and they built a custom system around what you do. All right, that we could say, well, that doesn't make them that much different because any really good consulting company, if the choice is you'll buy more if I build it the way you want it or you'll buy less if I tell you what to do, we'll take, this, we'll take the first option, okay? Um, the next piece of this is that, and this is an article from Fast Company, um, they, uh, what their observation is is companies develop more resources or devote more resources to bring in new business as opposed to doing existing. And what they're doing here is their emphasis is on the organic sales side. Now, that is a little bit different. And somebody who has been talked about that, anybody who's listened to the last three seasons knows that I'm a huge proponent of organic sales or selling to the current customer base. But when you think about most customer relationship management packages, the focus is not on, on existing accounts. It's on new accounts. All right, let me go a little further. And this was an article from Selling Power. Um, and it says their market proven insight, which is cu trademarked customer experience management software has provided our customers with a highly actionable platform to pinpoint the critical sales skills needed to trust advisor to achieve higher retention, do more cross selling and find upselling opportunities. So now we've got the whole picture and we put it together What these characters have done. And I say characters, um, um, that's a positive comment by me is that, They've developed a software package that allows them to customize their CRM to fit every customer they talk to. Now, we're talking about a company. Let me jump back here. They've developed software. We're talking about a company that it was at 3.8 in revenue in 2010, a company that's uh, at 20, in 2013, it was at 5.5 revenue uh, because we don't have 2014 numbers yet. A company at $5.5 million in revenue has developed their own software package that allows them to customize how their customers sell, market, and more importantly, handle customer service. Because here's, here's an issue. Do never, 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 when people talk about customer service, never hear customer service. Hear sales. Customer service in most organizations is a random act of kindness. In a well-run business, it is sales, pure and simple. And so you take a look at this company is that what they have done is they've come up with an open source development process, and I'm not sure exactly what they're using as the platform, but they have figured out how to do it. They go to a client, they look at the process, they bring the key stakeholders in, they apply their consulting knowledge, which we all do to build a better process, 
And then what they do, which is the most difficult thing in any organization, uh, and that is how do you get the organization, how do you get it to stick? How do you get something that is part of how the organization does business or the word that we would use in psychology is inculcate or as Andy used, becomes the habit. But how do I do that? Well, I could tell you right now, if you can't do your job, if you don't run the software correctly, that's a great way of making people do stuff. And so what this company has done is, and I have found nobody doing it because when I look at the major small and mid-level enterprise CRM software competitors, and some of those we've talked about on here with Ben, we talked about Workbooks, Nimble, Insighty, Zoho, User Voice. These are all multi, multi-million dollar companies. We're talking 100, 200, $300 million companies. And I left off Salesforce off this list because most of us who are, say, under, I would go 20 million, can't afford Salesforce because it, for the number of salespeople we would have, I can't, I can't financially afford it. Um, because it, you, you know, it just because where their price point is. So here we, you, you've got somebody who's gone up against, you know, fairly well run, sophisticated companies. And you take Zoho, for example, Zoho up to three users is free. Well, how do I make money competing against free? Well, what I do is I, find what is the best process for my client, and then I build the software around that as opposed to make them learn it because I used to use Zoho, and you can modify it, and you can customize it, and you can put your stuff in there, but you're going to still use the Zoho platform and the Zoho process to sell. And the same with Salesforce. I used Salesforce a number of years ago, um, back when they were privately owned and before they were sold. And so what about this company, all right? So what they did is they took, they looked at the market, and they took on some fairly successful companies who would, we would consider large enterprises who are selling in the small and mid-level enterprise markets. They added something that is missing, and that was customer service because those packages don't necessarily do a good job, as well as they add customization. They also had the issue of training that was built into it so people could have the capacity to use this new infrastructure. Um, and how did they... And so that's how they changed the property of their offer. So the big thing that they did, and remember we talked about the, the, the way to look at this, do I change speed, time, location, or the properties? They changed the properties of the offer, you know, kind of like Apple did, kind of like IBM did. And so they did some copying there. And then what they did is they created a non-competitive space because nothing they've done here is a pioneer except everything combined is pioneering. And so what they did is a combination of existing offers that you could have got in a lot of places like sales training and tools, sales software, customer service training and tools, et cetera, et cetera. And they put it all into a single package. And then number two is their business model is based upon mass customization, that they built something so open that they can easily, without a high cost, customize it to whatever account they run into. And that's my story. So I would recommend... Take a look at brookside.com. That's brook with an E, B-R-O-O-K-E-S-I-D-E.com. And take a look at this company. It's just another example of somebody thinking outside the box and suddenly creating kind of their own blue ocean. Whether they'll become the next Salesforce, I don't know. None of us can predict. But right now, they're doing pretty damn well. Uh, now, I haven't had that. I didn't take the opportunity uh, yet to do my shout-outs. What I'd like to do now before I get into some of my closing comments is talk to uh, 
some of my colleagues. So I'm going to start with uh, Ryan and Portico here in the studio. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? How's it going, Bill? I'm uh, I'm actually going to be heading to where you just came from, working during the week. I'm going to Roanoke this weekend. Oh, uh, what are you doing in uh, Roanoke? Going to go see my family. That's my stomping grounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be a good time. Okay. I heard it makes snow coming. I don't know. I was looking at the weather. I'm, I don't think there's any snow Oh, coming. good, good, yeah. good. So we should be in the clear. I was worried about it yesterday. I was looking at my watch going, if I don't get out of here by now, yeah. I may not get out of here. So Yeah. So, well, when are you back? Monday? Yeah, I'm coming back on Monday morning. All right. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to doing some uh, stuff on uh, Facebook this week. Absolutely. All right. And so, uh, thanks, Ryan. i also like to do a shout-out to my uh, partners in crime. One is uh, Mr. Rich Retzer out there in, in gorgeous Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, he handles the Midwestern part of the United States. And to my Canadian partner, who also handles the West Coast, and that's Kevin Granger out of both um, uh, Calgary, Alberta, and Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay, and so let me let me take just a couple minutes now to kind of get into the summation. And um, where I want to speak to you is the, first of all, I really appreciate Linda's and Andy's insights and how to get out of the box and create a non-competitive space. And what they focus, what they focus in on is how do you build that inside? Um, there is no burden unless you're in a company of one person yourself. There really is no burden to doing this. And the cost wise is not much. And the question is, is does it fit your business? But don't say, don't say, well, I've only got six, seven people in the company. And I can't do that. Uh, that's your cop out. That's not what I'm going to give you. Okay. And so, but talking about it and the way that we talked about it is much easier to talk about it than it is to basically do it. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to make an offer. We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks, uh, but I needed to do my own software work on customizing a platform. And so I'm ready to go there. So starting this weekend, and I actually have it if you go to richmondbizlive.com and you go to the contact page, it's already there. But I have to I have to do some tweaks on uh, – on my uh, forums, uh, forum site is that I'm going to open up our membership site to all of our listeners, whether you're listening to us live here out of the greater Richmond area, or you're one of the 2000 people or 2000 downloads that we've had. And so if you'd simply go to the contact us page, you uh, look for a caption that says join and access our experts 24 by seven, complete the form and submit it within 24 hours you'll receive an invite to our growth membership site, which is free. Now, what will happen is there will be a lot of resources in there, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to focus on those. What I want to do is I'm going to talk about it's going to take you um, directly to our forum site. And our forum site is in a place where you can then put in, because it's not open to the general public. This is something that's only open to people who have requested it. So that's, that's why I need your email address so I can respond to it. But if you put your question in there, and right now I'd like to focus in on how do you create non-competitive space, but, you know, i tell you what, if you put anything in there, we'll answer it. Um, everybody, our team are going to be manning that 24 by 7, basically. You put something in the form, and I'll guarantee you within 24 hours you get a response. Um, so I would heartily recommend that you take advantage of that opportunity because what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk more about you. Um, we're going to the Inc. 5000 because, quite frankly, when you go to uh, Dun & Bradstreet or Hoover's, who are now the same organization, on uh, pu public sector companies, they're taking the SEC uh, requirement statements, and that's what they're portraying out there. So you have fairly accurate information. When you go to private companies on, on Hoover's or Dun & Bradstreet, you get very little information on the drill down. So it's a fairly comprehensive look around the entire molecule 
to get all the information. Like I must have read 20 press releases over the week to get a handle on um, on the Brookside group. So uh, if you go to the forum site, we can then begin to talk about things that are that are legitimate and relevant to those of you who are either broadcast live listeners uh, in the greater Richmond area or people who are listening on the podcast and you want an answer. You, I guarantee you, you put the question in the forum and you get an answer. And so with that, what I'd like to do is I'd like to thank everybody who joined the show today. Um, this is probably our most challenging season because it doesn't have a whole lot of scripting to it and requires us to get out of the box. And all I ask of you is put your, uh, put your critical thinking away for just a little bit and look at your business radically different and see if there's not a way that you can change um, the ocean you compete in. And with that, wealth and prosperity to all listeners. And have a great week. In fetters and chains On a weary perpetual motion We'll belong to all races And answer all names With no show of an outward emotion And they think it will make their lives easier Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. One hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar for the most important hour in your week.